Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Coxon. I'm riding solo today, but shout out to the crew and shout out to all the listeners out there, stateside and worldwide, for continuing to support the show, guys. We thank you all for this love and support you show us on the show and also on social media. Continue to spread the word out there, guys. Right in the middle of summer, and we know we got a crazy heat wave going on, not just here in the U.S. this last week or so, but also our friends across the pond in Europe. Y'all, global warming is real. Just want to say that right now. But make sure that y'all are staying cool. And if you're inside, make sure you're listening to the Vault Classic Music Reviews podcast and make sure you're subscribed on the podcast listening station or app of your choice. Also, a quick reminder to the fans out there to visit us at vaultclassicpod.com, our website. Got lots of great things going on right there. You can go and view all of our back episodes. And of course, what we're working on right now is all of the guests who have been featured on the Vault Classic Music Reviews are all now being built profile pages. So make sure you go there to check out all of our past guests to check out what they got going on on their platforms as well. We always like to show love to our fellow podcasters and content creators doing their things here in the world of podcasting. As we always like to say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics or MBTC. And today we're going to go back 30 years ago and we're going to go back and talk about a very important album, an album that to me, I think is so important that the trajectory of an entire genre was affected by this particular album. And I don't believe that's hyperbole to say that. So we're going to go back to July 28th, 1992. And we're going to go to the debut album of none other than Mary J. Blige. What's the 411 released on Uptown and MCA records recorded between 1991 and 1992 at many different studios. Of course, the legendary hit factory, Chung King Studios, Marathon Studios and Soul Convention Studios all in New York City. Runtime of 51 minutes and 59 seconds. The producers on this. Well, you know them well. The executive producer, none other than Sean, at that time known as Puffy, later became known as Puff Daddy, now known as Diddy, Sean Combs, Devontae Swing, Dave Jam Hall, Mark Morales, and Corey Rooney, also producers on this as well, also featured guest spots of the likes of Casey Haley, Jodeci, Graham Poobah, Busta Rhymes on a interlude here, really, what you would call it, an interlude, intro slash interlude, but then also on the intro of Leave a Message, you heard from a number of different people who left messages on that particular intro, including Diddy himself, C.O. Smooth, Christopher Williams, Lil Sean. So there were a number of different people who featured on this album in many different ways. And of course, there were a number of different writers and producers who worked alongside with Mary to get this album out 30 years ago for What's the 411, guys. I mean, this is... Crazy to think about that this much time has passed to this incredibly important and classic album before us was released to lay the groundwork as far as how this album came about being. This came at a really competitive time for R&B and there were a lot of great projects being released that year. We've reviewed just a few of them so far this year 
talking about TLC with Ooh on the TLC tip, Funky Divas by En Vogue. And there were going to be a lot more to follow within the rest of this year. And then also later on the next year, just with female R&B artists. This was really a time when R&B music was starting to change its shape and also its feel. Honestly, at this particular time, it began to mirror its hip hop counterparts much more closely than it ever did before. Now, a lot of people will say that it started primarily with both genres digging into the sound of what was New Jack Swing in the late 80s and continued into the early 90s, mostly by mirroring a lot of the rhythms. And then also later on with the fashion and then the themes of the music started to collide as well. This was also a time when collaborations between rappers and R&B singers became a lot more prevalent. And we would see this more as the decade continued. And by the time we got into the mid and late 90s, it became pretty much commonplace. Now, this environment in 1992 created the perfect environment to introduce Mary J. Blige to us. Now, after spending a good portion of her time down south and then also coming back up to New York, Mary, after dealing with some problems and a lot of problems she dealt with at home, her story has been very well known to those of us who have been familiar with her in the 30 years now that she has been in the music industry and the things that we have known about her life, which makes her not only the person, but the artist that she is today. After recording a demo of Caught Up in the Rapture by Anita Baker in a recording studio in the mall, like a makeshift recording booth, the song found its way into the hands of Uptown Records executives and eventually found its way to Andre Harrell, who was the CEO of Uptown Records, and he promptly signed her. Now, after being signed, she was one of the youngest member, actually the youngest member, and one of the first female acts to sign to Uptown. It was just a matter of her, I would say, probably being in the right place at the right time. Now, her signing and the production of her debut album we're sort of starting to correspond with Uptown's records peak at that particular time in the early 90s. So think about it. You had Heavy D and the boys, and they had released a few projects on Uptown Records, but they had just released Peaceful Journey the year before, and that was one of their most successful records as a group. And Heavy D at that particular time was really, really big in hip-hop. The combination worked and the music that they were doing definitely resonated both with the hip hop audience and with the commercial audience at that time. Then you had Jodeci the year before releasing their debut album Forever My Lady. And as well, later on that year, Uptown would feature a release also by Christopher Williams, Changes, which featured later on, I would say around December of 1992. So Andre Harrell as the CEO of Uptown was making all the right moves. And of course, who was his right-hand man hoping to oversee a lot of these changes and also producing a lot of this? None other than Diddy himself, Sean Combs. He was instrumental in a lot of what was happening uptown at his peak. In particular, he was very instrumental in ushering through Jodeci in their debut album of Forever My Lady, also helping to form what would be their sound, working with the group and Devante, and also their signature look which is something which started, as we stated, in the early 90s when you had groups like Jodeci and eventually acts like TLC and Mary and SWV would then start to signal a period where hip-hop and R&B started to become a lot more symbiotic. And this also included the development of What's the 411 as an album. Mary became the catalyst which forced hip-hop and R&B down the aisle in the jump to broom. We talk about this marriage of hip-hop and R&B. Now, before this album, there definitely was a relationship there. 
but the relationship was probably more so of a fun relationship or more so of a fling, but it really didn't seem anything like as if it was destined to last. It was more so, as you would say, a relationship or a marriage of convenience. But she became the spark, which showed of how the two could show how strong, so to speak, real love actually could be. And with that, let's get into it. First thoughts and reflections. So what's the 411? Now, this drops right around the height of the summer of 1992. And in particular, we're sort of made aware of Mary, I would say first by the Strictly Business soundtrack, but by the time this album came out and this really got pushed for radio play was when the first single dropped for this, which was You Remind Me. And it just goes off. And I mean, just off of that song alone, it just seemed like people were so drawn to her. In particular, as I've mentioned a lot of times growing up, I grew up in a household with older sisters. They were into R&B a lot. That song and the video that also accompanied it really kind of carried us through the summer. And people like my sisters, the ones who were really into R&B music at that particular time, definitely were drawn to Mary as an act by the way that the music sounded and also the look that she had as well. That song carries us through the summers, all over the radio and all over video screens on BET and the box and anywhere else where they were showing hip hop and R&B videos. But then after that, real love drops. And when I'm saying that it hit way harder even than just that, which is saying something because You Remind Me was actually a pretty big song, reached number one in the R&B charts. Real love drops and just that song, the way that it hit with those drums and that piano And then the song with the lyrics and the hook, it just was a perfect combination. At this point in time, we're starting to fall in love with Mary as an audience. So by the time we get into the fall, Mary is already becoming one of the biggest names in R&B. And then afterwards, the other singles drop. You hear singles reminisce, Love No Limit, and for good measure, hearing a remake of Sweet Thing by Rufus and Shaka Khan, which to a lot of us was the old song that became new again because it was one of our favorite artists now taking a classic and making it her own. Now, this would be a thing that Mary would take and would replicate a lot of times throughout her career and definitely became a staple of hers and her style. Now, let me tell you the thing that made Mary so popular with us when we were growing up, and this is what also made her so successful. It was her voice, yes. Without the voice, you don't get a Mary J. Blige. I mean, it was almost like Her voice wasn't otherworldly. It wasn't out of this world like you would say that Whitney Houston's voice was or even Anita Baker's or Mariah Carey's, but her voice fit her. It fit her music. And then when you couple that voice with the production, you know, the fact that it was these hip-hop beats, especially drum-wise and bass lines, definitely hit a lot harder than some R&B songs that you would hear during that time. And... You take that and couple it with the lyrics that were being written and the things that she was singing about were things that people could relate to. This would be something that people would hold on with Mary. The fact that her music, it made her relatable. But then you couple that with the look. I mean, it's the jerseys, the baseball cap, the bandanas. We talked about how Diddy was very influential in styling Jodeci and helping to get them with their look to give them that edge that sort of would connect with the new generation that was coming out back then. It was the same exact thing with Mary. I mean, she was relatable from the songs and the production and the lyrics, her voice. She was also a little bit hood and she was pretty, very, very good looking. 
but she also looked like she would definitely get in your shit if you messed with her. So if you bundle all that up, that's what people connected with. It was the whole aura of Mary J. Blige. Like we talked about the whole thing about hip hop soul and she became the queen of hip hop soul. She embodied everything that we took of what we loved about the R&B genre and then took a little bit of hip hop into it and mixed it up. Take a little bit of girl around the way and tough girl might get in your shit and it's a little bit scary, but damn, it turns me on. That's what made the aura up of Mary J. Blige. And it was a part of the landscape. You could see from the success of TLC and then later on, you would see it with the release and also the debuts of SWV. And then the next year with groups like Escape and Jade, that the look and the sound of R&B was evolving as the urban music industry evolved. And for those of us in the street who were listening to Mary, it was almost like we see one of our own homegirls sitting here who's made it. And when people tried to ask me to explain what is it about Mary that makes her Mary it's just her. <laughs> All those things that I just mentioned is what draws us to her. And that's what you saw and you have seen from day one. What you have seen over the course of 30 plus years is the evolution of a human being growing and dealing with their struggles and the valleys and the peaks and everything else that human beings will deal with. And the fact that she has made herself vulnerable and also made herself accessible and I would say that when it started with this, this is what latched us right onto her. It was definitely magnetic. I mean, absolutely magnetic. The biggest thing that I could actually say is that Mary was a blend of a singer that women wanted to be and that men wanted to be with. And even if they didn't want to be with her a la romantically, they at least was somebody that you knew that you at least wanted to kick it with, you know? So you take that and it's somebody that absolutely, when you talk about relatability, 100%. Highlights and lowlights. So the highlights, and there's no shortages of highlights on here. And just when we go into the highlights, I want to talk a little bit about the production and the overall direction of this album. This truly was an introduction of introductions. And we just talk about even just about the leave a message. And it's so vintage 90. It's the voicemail with the answering machine. I'm talking about the answering machine when you had the tape <laughs> and the tape had to click and you had to play it and rewind and then delete messages. And then you would get people leaving these messages and the beeps and the, you heard all the voices on there. Heard Diddy, you heard CO Smooth, Christopher Williams, you hear Lil Sean, the editors of Sister to Sister. All these people out here pretty much wanting to get up with Mary because they heard about this album that it's so incredible. It builds some sort of anticipation. You get into the singles just to start off and shout out definitely to all the producers on here who did their thing. I mean, we talked about Betty being the executive producer, but the Tony Dofats, the Dave Jam Halls, the Mark Morales, the Corey Rooney who did a lot of producing on here. But then you also had the Devontae Swings who produced a track on here, who wrote a song on this. Then, of course, a writer on this. You had Dave Hall doing some writing, but then also you had Kenny Green doing writers on this. Kenny Green of intro fame. And we'll get into him in just a second. There's no shortage of highlights on these. And what I mean about the no shortage of highlights is that, I mean, this is one of those things we talk about. You press play and you walk away. First, getting into the singles. So you have the first single that comes out, which is You Remind Me. And as I stated, it went off when it first came out. It went off and it hit like a bomb. And it was a really, really big hit. It's a feel-good song. As a matter of fact, 
when Ebony and also a couple other publications covered What's the 411 at 20, Corey Rooney is the one that said that this is the song that prompted Andre Harrell to want to produce the Mary album and get it out ASAP. This was the song that made him want to do it, which said something. And then the song Real Love, I mean, it speaks for itself. I mean, this is a song now, 30 years since it's been out, that still we talk about the emotions that what classic music does to people, the emotions that it evokes out of people. This is a song that now 30 years later, still people are singing word for word and at the top of their lungs, that hook at the top of their lungs. But then that song to hear those drums, that sample that they took from top billing from audio Two. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it is a perfect combination of a song. I mean, you want to talk about all the ingredients of a hit right there in 1992. Real Love had all of the features of a big hit in 1992. And then Reminisce is probably my favorite song on the album. It was the third single that came out, but the feel of the song, I loved it. I mean, I loved being able to hear like, you know, a little bit of depth, of course, lyrically on there, but then the background vocals, all of the background vocals were just wonderfully done. This was a song that was co-written by Kenny Green and Dave Hall. And then also that song sampling Stop Looking Listen by MC Light. I mean, just connecting hip hop and R&B once again. It's just amazing. And then to me, probably the most underrated of the singles out of all the singles without a shadow of doubt to me is Love No Limit. It's a song to me, I think, doesn't get clearly enough love. But when you talk about putting it in the same scope as you remind me and real love and reminisce, it definitely gets overshadowed a little bit, but this is an incredible song. Yes, just love the beat, love the production, and Mary sort of takes a different tone with this song, and it's just very, very chill, and to me, really, really underrated, but an amazing song nonetheless. Those two songs, Reminisce and Love No Limit, co-written by Kenny Green of Intro, but then we get outside of the singles, and then you get into the album tracks, and the album tracks are just as incredible. Now, I don't want to do anything with KC. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> First of all, for those who don't know, I mean, I think the world knows this at this point because, hell, that's what my life is about. Mary and KC were in a very passionate, but then also a tumultuous and also abusive relationship. And the things that they went through in their relationship, being so young, both being very successful artists and the things between them, the hurt that they caused each other definitely put the two of them in a place where I think afterwards they produced some of their best music. But you can hear that here in this song. And props to Devante. Devante Swing himself, master producer and songwriter, did so much great work with Jodeci throughout the years and so many other artists as well. He took really that chemistry and also any of the undertones that it came from, any sort of conflict as a couple that they dealt with and put it into the lyrics and into the feeling of this song and production wise, the beat and instrumental. When I'm saying that Devante put his entire foot in the production of this song, he put his entire foot in the production of this song. Just so complex, so many different layers. At a certain point in time, the song switches keys and then gets back on this original key. Like, listen, <laughs> Devontae did his thing on this track, man. Definitely shout out to him for I don't want to do anything. And then you get into a track like Slow Down, which is yet another type of ballad. And you see another side of Mary sort of coming out. Like it's not just the hip hop connected tracks with hard drums. 
it's definitely something where she could slow it down and give us yet another side of her that we would see not just on this album, but on the later albums that came out in the decade, especially on My Life and also on Share My World, that you would see that depth that she had as an artist, that it wasn't just party tracks and feel-good tracks and up-tempo tracks. The penultimate song, Changes I've Been Going Through, just... Love that song because one of the messages, of course, but then that production with that beat, that sample of make the music with your mouth biz. Come on, man. If you're a hip hop head, you got to love that. This is definitely a Diddy, Morales and Rooney combination. You got to love the hip hop connection there. And then, of course, what's the 411 with none other than Grand Poobah? I mean, dude, this was the perfect way to end the album. Smooth Grand Poobah, very understated Grand Poobah with deaf lyrical ability, and then not only that, but spitting game. I mean, that's what Grand Poobah really was the best at, when he was definitely spitting his game. And it was the perfect sort of match to get someone like that on a track like this with Mary, who also brought out her rap alter ego on this and spit a verse. Like, that verse from Mary was so dope that if you would have taken Mary and switched it up with MC Light and that verse would have been there, golden. Like, it's almost like you could switch the two of them and it would be just as good. But then you add that to the end of the song with the R&B part, with Mary singing and giving that very special part, that, you know, interpolation from Deborah Laws. But then the sample with that song of Pride and Vanity and that bass line from What's the 411 that... Like, come on, man. It's still one of my favorite closing tracks to close an album, especially an R&B album. And loved having Grand Pooba on that track and really making that full connection of though we're marrying R&B and hip hop together to create hip hop soul. This is really something that brings it all home, especially on this album. Those are my highlights. And if you're wondering where my lowlights are, where there aren't any. I mean, the only thing that I would have to nitpick a little bit about would be the intro talk intro lude with Buster Rhymes, where Buster's sort of hyping up this album and doing his Buster Rhymes sort of, you about to witness this, you know, <laughs> y'all know how Buster does. And it was a little out of place. I mean, I would have preferred to have a track there, but you know, I'm not going to nitpick that because, you know, hey, it doesn't take anything away from the album. It doesn't make the album any less with that being there. No low lights, you know, just nothing but highlights and if you're keeping track, I'm counting at least, at least four classic singles, depending on if you're looking at Sweet Thing, which is a cover by, of course, made famous by Rufus and Shaka Khan. I'm counting at least four classic singles, at least four classic singles, and you could possibly say five. But then you can get into My Love, which is yet another highlight on here as well, which wasn't necessarily pushed as a single, but did peak on number 23 on the charts despite not actually being a single yet again, another Kenny green song. So <laughs> crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. Final verdict. So look, there's no drama here. <laughs> you already know what I'm about to say. This, I mean, what's the four wheel one is an album that launched Mary's career. As a result of this, this album is now a triple platinum album. When she went to the Soul Train Awards in 1993, she won Best New R&B Artist and Best R&B Album, considering the time and the environment in which it was created in and the competition that was there. It's a huge achievement. Now, since then, we've known Mary's career. We know what she put out afterwards. My Life followed two years after this. Share My World three years after that. 
a couple other albums afterwards, the Mary album, no more drama. I mean, we can keep going down the list. It's now 14 albums that Mary has done. And every single one of the albums that she has produced has produced a hit. I mean, the career that she launched off of this album became one of the more legendary careers in the R&B genre and in the music industry overall. All of her albums have reached top 10 in the Billboard 200, including four of them being number one. And we can go through the countless number of singles that have come out that have charted as well, or the songs that she had featured on that have charted as well. I mean, we can keep running down the list and we'll be here all day long. She is responsible for maybe not necessarily the creation of a subgenre of hip hop soul, but of helping to make it popular. She's also responsible for being the inspiration of so many different artists that point to this album, either as an influence or as the album that got them into Mary in the first place. And that cannot be ignored. This album was so successful that they released a remix version of this album the next year in 1993, Uptown Records did, featuring many different hip-hop remixes or hip-hop-based remixes of songs on the album, including the Real Love remix featuring Biggie, also the What's the 411 remix featuring KC and also Biggie, the Reminisce <laughs> remix featuring CL Smooth, which is so perfect because what you got on that Reminisce remix with CL Smooth is you got that vocal sample that when you think about the word reminisce brings you back to the one track that you associate it with. Not just this one, but when they reminisce over you, my God. <laughs> and that sample was featured in that remix. You also had the Love No Limit remix featuring Kid Capri. And then you remind me remix featuring Greg Nice of Nice and Smooth. I mean, you want to talk about like so many different things that came out here. My Love featuring Heavy D. You Don't Have to Worry featuring Craig Mack. I mean, there were production on the remix album by Teddy Riley, by Daddy-O, by Jesse West, and also another remix by Devontae Swing of I Don't Want to Do Anything. The fact that an album can be remade and remixed as a whole just only speaks just to the versatility of that album and also to the depth that album has. So what is it? Of course, it's a certified classic. <laughs> I mean, what else would it be? Spoiler alert of the year. It's a certified classic. 30 years later, it definitely is an album that helped project the marriage of hip hop and R&B right down the aisle to jump the broom. And it was something that wasn't a marriage of convenience, as I mentioned earlier. It was definitely a marriage that sparked one of real love. And it's an album that helped make Mary J. Blige not just an R&B superstar, but eventually a music icon now 30 years later, as we saw her perform at the Super Bowl earlier this year, she's still going strong after all these years. So what's the 411 by Mary J. Blige? Make sure y'all go and check it out. It turns 30 this week. Make sure you go pick up a copy of it. Listen to it on streaming. If you want to pick it up on vinyl, go ahead and do that. And let us know on social media what you think about it once you hear the review. Hit us up, Twitter, IG, TikTok, also YouTube and Facebook. Just drop us a line. Let us know what you think about What's the 411. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show, check out our past episodes, join our mailing list, leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner 
to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.